All right, well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter number four. I've already been told by my uh, oldest granddaughter to keep it short tonight, so uh, we'll see what we can do. Ephesians chapter four, would you stand with me as I'm going to read a couple of verses here. In Ephesians chapter number four, I, I love this chapter. I, I, th this is a great chapter. Uh, put off, put on, that's what Paul's talking about here, and uh, we're going to talk about a healthy spiritual wellness uh, involves biblical change. Amen. If you want to be spiritually well, you, you need, there needs to be some changes. Perfect for what we're talking about. Those three young men that came up tonight, they got yeah. their certificate, discipleship. You know, it, that, that's what that's all about. Uh, biblical change taking place in our lives. So we're going to look at that tonight. So we're going to read Ephesians 4, verse, uh, let's start with verse Number 20, and I'll try not to make comments as we go along the way. You know, preachers do that, right? Have you heard a preacher say, if you don't get anything out of this message, get this one thing. And I'm thinking, why didn't you tell us this an hour ago? <laughs> we could already left. So I'll try not to make comments. So there's so much uh, wealth in these verses here. Yeah. So we'll just read the verses and we'll, we'll move on. All right, verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that, it, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather, rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I had this as a memory verse in a class that I taught at Heartland. And a girl in my class, for some reason, unknown to her, wrote instead of saying, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, she wrote, let, wrote, let no corrupt com communication proceed out of your mother. <laughs> no idea why she does it, did that. So every time I see her, I say, how's your mother? But that which is good to you edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then here's the replacement for all those things that he just named. And be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Again, a healthy spiritual wellness involves biblical change. God bless you. you may be seated. Now, the older I get, the more I worry about my health. You know, I want to make sure that I take care of this body. This is the only body that God's going to give me till we get to heaven. We have a new body there. And uh, so, you know, every year I have a physical. You have a wellness check, right? Now, wellness check at times is preventative, you know, to make sure that 
cholesterol, triglycerides, whatever those are, all those things are in place, making sure that you're doing well with all of that. And, uh, you know, so we do that every year. That's insurance pays for it. So I go in the doctor and the doctor uh, does some blood work and I want to make sure that I was diagnosed several years ago pre-diabetic and want to make sure that my, you know, diabetes is under control, things of that nature. And, and uh, you know, and then they, they, I go to a cardiologist and, you know, just, just to follow up with different things. And that's a wise thing to do to make sure that you're, taking care of yourself. It's the only body you're going to have, right? And so we need to do that. But we should also be just as concerned with our spiritual wellness. There needs to be some inventory taken every once in a while in in my life and in in your life. But I don't know about you, but but change change is hard. You know, here we are facing a brand new year. It's hard to believe that we're just just a, a few days away from a brand new year, 2024. And uh, my New Year's resolution for 2024 is that I'm not going to make any New Year's resolutions. And uh, so anyway, with the, new, with the new year coming, you know, and I, I recently read a poll about, um, uh, you know, the top five, top five uh, New Year's resolutions that people make. You ready? Here they are. Number one, the word that nobody likes to hear, exercise. Now you're groans. Number two, Eating healthy, that's the second. Number three, what do you think number three is? Well, if you do one and two, guess what? You're going to lose weight. That didn't, you know, so uh, you can't keep driving by the donut shop and expect to lose weight for in, your, in your new year. And number four is to spend less money. Some of us have already blown that with Christmas, right? Spend less money. And then number five is to spend more time with family and with friends. Now you think about those five things, you know, if you're going to exercise and eat healthy and, and lose weight and spend less money and spend more time with family and friends, each of those things takes a strong commitment. Now listen to this statement. Each of those takes a strong commitment to change something that we are doing to doing something that is different or better. Did you catch that? All of those things that I named takes a strong commitment. If you're going to exercise, you got to get up a little bit earlier. or You got to figure out a way to do that. If you're going to eat right and if you're going to lose weight, all of those things take a strong commitment to make the changes necessary to do those things. Now, when it comes to my spiritual life and your spiritual life, God expects us to change spiritually. God wants you to be different in 2024 than you were in 2023. Now, I I think the Bible, it gives us many, many passages that talk about that. Let me give you a couple of them. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, "For for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Can I tell you this tonight? I know this is God's will for my life and your life is that we become more like Jesus Christ. Every day. Now I got saved when I was nine years old. I just turned uh, 70, so I've been saved 61 years. 61 years I've been a Christian. Uh, That's amazing to me when you you think of it in terms of 
the amount, of, the amount of years, but I have not arrived. I haven't got to the place where I don't need to get up in the morning and read my Bible and have a prayer time. We should always strive to make the changes necessary because God desires for us to be like his son Jesus. That's what God's will is for your life and my life. He desires for us to be like Jesus. Listen to these verses. We read them already, Ephesians 4, verse 23 and 24, and be renewed in the spirit of the mind, of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. John says in 1 John 2, verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought also himself also to walk as he walked. What does that mean? God wants you to be like Jesus. I I love this, this discipleship. And it fits perfect with what we're talking about tonight. You know what we're talking about? When we talk about discipleship, we're talking about biblical change. And we'll get into a little bit deeper into that in just a moment. So in this process of this spiritual growth that God desires for my life and your life, We need to know where we're going. We need to know where we're going. Lest we become like we received the Christopher Columbus Award. You ever heard of the Christopher Columbus Award? Here it is. This award goes to those who like good old Christopher Columbus when they set out to do something, don't know where they're going. Neither do they know how how to get there. When they arrive, they don't know where they are. And when they return, they don't know where they've been. That's not what God desires for my life and your life when it comes to us becoming like Jesus Christ. You need to know where you're going in your life spiritually. And you need to know how to get there. So we're going to talk about this process of biblical change. So when we talk about process, I'm going to use a couple of Bible words tonight. And uh, I I don't want us to get, you know, shaken up and scared about Bible words. These are Bible words. But when we talk about this process of biblical change... There's one word that comes to mind here, and that is the word sanctification. That is a biblical word. Sanctification is just simply this, that we are set apart. I I have this Bible here. I bought it uh, last year, and I had another Bible that I used for preaching, and I took it uh, on summer tour, and, and, and it got some pages torn, and I was really bummed about it. So I went to our local bookstore there in Oklahoma City, Mardell's, and and, um, you know, they had all of these racks of all these different um, uh, versions of the Bible. And they had this one little bitty shelf area for King James Bibles. And so I decided I was going to buy me this new Bible. And I love the way this Bible looks. I love the way, oh, it smells so good. It's calf skin. You know, I like it. But you know what I do? This, is, this Bible, I, I'm not trying to be weird, but I have set this Bible apart for preaching. This is my preaching Bible. Now you say, well, that's weird. Well, maybe it is, but I, I, I don't want to use this on daily, daily uses. I have a box for it. When I get done preaching tonight, I'm going to go home, take my sermon out of it, right on the back of my sermon that I preached here at Eastside, and then I'm going to put it back in its box. This is, I've, I've set this Bible apart for preaching. This is my preaching Bible. I have another Bible that I brought with me, and that's my devotion Bible, and I use that in the morning when I read my Read my Bible. But God has set us apart. He sanctified you. He has set you apart. And a part of that process is, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit here in a little bit, that God has set us apart. He sanctified us. 
He set you apart. You belong to him. So when we use the word sanctification, we're just simply meaning this, that God in the process of his uh, uh, salvation, we're going to talk about that, that God has set us apart for him. Hold your place there in Ephesians 4. I, I don't know if we'll even go back there. I told Jason tonight, this is not going to be an expository sermon, but we're going to look at it. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Try to help us understand when we think about this thing of salvation, it's used in reference. I mean, I'm sorry, think about this word sanctification. It's used in reference to our salvation. Uh, 1 Corinthians, did I tell you that? Chapter 6, and uh, let, let, let's read, beginning with verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But look at verse 11. I love verse 11. And such were some of you. But now, he says, but ye are washed, but ye are what? What's the next word? You are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He says, you know what you were before? You're all of those things that he named in verses 9 and 10. But now you're something different. You've been sanctified. You've been washed. You've been justified. Which means this, that God declares us just before him. That's what happens at salvation. So when we use this word sanctification, we use it in the context of salvation. This, this is what Paul is saying. It is used in this context of salvation, the word sanctification. But, it, but it's also used in reference to our spiritual growth. Because see, when you, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you belong to him. You are his child. You may, have been, you, you may have been an orphan. You may not have had parents in your life. But when you got saved, listen, you became a child of God. And you are one of his children. So it's used in reference to our salvation. But it's also used in reference to our spiritual growth. We have been set apart. And again, that's what that word sanctification implies. To be set apart from the world for God's use. That is the process that we must pass through to be used by God. Jesus said in, in John 17 verse 17 about his disciples. He said sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now obviously we understand that his disciples were saved. So what Jesus' prayer for them was this. That God would set them apart through the work that is done by the word of God every day in their lives. Sanctification is a process by which God changes us to become more like Christ. Now, when we talk about this, this process of change, we're not talking about any old change. Now, more often than not, most of the changes that we want to take place in our life have to do maybe with our with our circumstances. 
All right, so listen to this phrase, this, this phrase. Life would be so much better if, and you fill in the blank. Yeah. Maybe this, if, if, if I had a different job or, or if I had a different place to live, maybe if I had a new boss, <laughs> things would be different in my life. Now, when I, I pastored in Abilene, Texas, and, and uh, Jason would know this guy. We had a man in our church, and, and uh, he was constantly complaining about living in Texas. Now, I was born in Texas. Texas born in Texas bred, and when I'm dead, I'm Texas dead. But he constantly complained, and he said, and this was what he would tell us all the time. If I could just get back to California. Now, people that live in California are saying, if I could just go someplace else besides California. <laughs> but he died constantly. He would say that all, to, all the time. I got to calling him, not to his face, but I got to thinking, I called him the California dreamer. Because that's all he talked about. If I could just get back to California, things would be different in our lives. Well, eventually, they moved back to California. And things didn't get any better in his life. Things got worse in his life. Because, you see, the problem isn't some geographical problem. Did you hear that? It's not a geographical problem. Here it is. It's a heart problem. It doesn't matter where you live because if your heart doesn't change, you just take your problems with you. Now, I, I love coffee and I, you know, before we came, I want to make sure that Aaron had our, our um, peppermint mocha creamer and, and, and coffee and, uh, and all of that stuff. But also, I do like a, a good cup of hot tea. In fact, in our office, we have a little area that we have a hot pot and, and we have tea bags. We furnish the tea bags and students come in and they, they can get a cup of tea and we... You know, my wife's always going by Dollar Tree to find a good deal on, on tea bags, and, and we have it right there. Now, I like a good cup of tea, but you know what? Listen to this. You know, when you, when you put that tea bag in the hot water, what happens? The flavor is released, right? That's what happens. Now, the hot water didn't create the flavor. It just revealed what was already in the tea bag. All right, so listen to this principle. The situations in our lives don't create our response. They only serve, listen, they only serve to reveal through our words and our actions what's already in our heart. So if you don't like the flavor of your life, change the contents. Allow that change that God wants to take place in your life as a Christian. Allow that process of change that God does through his word and we're going to talk about through the Holy Spirit. Allow that to take place if you don't like the contents of your life. Huh? Right? Change. If you don't like the flavor, change the contents. So when we think about this goal of biblical change, all that was just introduction. We're going to hear for a long time, right? And actually not. I'm, 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 I'm moving along. My last name's Jet, so just bear with me. Well, let's talk about the goal of biblical change. 
the, the result of sanctification in our lives is that we become, again, I've already mentioned this, increasingly more like Jesus Christ. Um, my kids grew up in a, a pastor's home. And uh, it has its uh, perks, right? But also they would hear us, we'd have family devotions and our, our son Josh, he's coming in tomorrow, he'll be here. And, and uh, when he was a little bitty guy, we'd be praying, we'd have our devotions and I'd be praying and say, Lord, help our church to grow. I mean, you're a pastor, you want it to happen that way, don't you? Your, your pastor wants your, this church to grow. Not, not just in numbers, but spiritually. The, the, this whole process of biblical change. So Josh, here's, me, here's his dad pray for that. So we're praying one day and he said, Lord, help our church grow up. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, it's true. You know, isn't, isn't that what God wants us to do? To be grown-up Christians? Yeah. You know, you, you read the book of Hebrews, and he said, you ought to be out there teaching others. Yeah. But you're having to be, you're, you're babes. Yeah. You're still sucking on the bottle. Yeah. You ought to be eating steak. Yes. You ought to be teaching. And instead, you're having to be taught the basics over again in your life. Right. Yeah. God desires for us to be grown up Christians. That's what he wants in my life and in your life. So how does that happen? Well, we've already talked about a part of that, but, and again, I, you know, there's been so much corruption about the things of the Holy Spirit. The charismatics have made the Holy Spirit be something that he's not. But the Holy Spirit is a part of that process of change. Okay, I, I said don't, you can leave, leave uh, Ephesians 4, but we've got to go back. <laughs> okay, look, look at Ephesians chapter 4 again. Verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are what? Sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay, so you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And, 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 and when you got saved, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, here's what he did. He put a seal on your life. And that is the Spirit of God. Paul talks about that in the first part of the book of Ephesians. You're sealed with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. That third person of the Trinity, the triune God. I can't understand that. I can't wrap my brain around the fact that you got three persons but one person. But that third person of the Trinity lives inside of you. And you are sealed by the Spirit of God. And, and, and the devil cannot have you. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and so God uses the Holy Spirit to help us to change, to become like we, like God wants us to become. He uses the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is actively, actively at work in my life, and in your life. And as we yield ourselves every day, every day when we get up in the morning and we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, that change takes, us, takes place. Listen to these verses. Romans eight fourteen says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons 
of God. As you get up every day, how many of you got up today? Let me see. Man, some of you said, is that a trick question? I, I tell our students all the time, I said, did you know that the sun actually rises in the morning? Some of them think they just get up and it's already been there all day long. But, it, but you got up today because God gave you the strength to be able to get up today. And every day as you get up and as I get up and as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, any change, listen, any change that takes place in our lives is the result of the Spirit of God working in our life. He's the one that deserves the glory for the work that takes place in my life and your life. So what's the process of change? The process of change follows three basic steps. Can I give them to you? Here they are. Number one, restraining your flesh. Restraining your flesh. Listen to this verse. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So the first process of change that takes place is you and I restraining the flesh. You have an enemy that wants to be in charge of your life every day. I I love Romans 7. I'm not going to try to quote it exactly, but Paul Paul says it this way. The good that I would, I do not. You know who's saying those words? That's the Apostle Paul. Outside of Jesus, how many have heard this? Probably the greatest Christian in the New Testament. But he says, the good that I would, I do not, but that which I hate. That I do. That do I. You know why he says that? He had an enemy. He had a flesh that wanted to control his life. And he said, because of that enemy that I have, and he says, who will deliver me from this body, this body of this death? Paul struggled, listen, Paul struggled with the flesh every day. And Paul wrote to us in Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. We talked about losing weight. Can't keep driving by the donut shop if you want to lose weight. Waiting for the light to come on in the window. You have Krispy Kreme up here? Sad, sad people. (laughs) But you may know that you have a favorite donut shop that you drive by and you make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. But yet, you go by the donut shop every day and get an apple fritter, which is my favorite. Can't can't eat too many apple fritters and expect to keep this body looking the way that it does. It's just not going to happen. So you must restrain the flesh. You got to have a, okay, (laughs) got to have a donut strategy. Are you getting that? You have to have some kind of a strategy in your life to restrain your flesh. Number two is, here's, here's the second part of that process. Renewing your mind. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the, what? Do you know the verse? Renewing of your mind. You know what the English word, we get our English word metamorphosis from that word. It means to be changed. God wants your mind to be different. He wants it to be changed. And how do you do that? By the renewing of your mind and you do that by the spirit of, of, in your mind. How do you do it? By the word of God. Amen. That's how you change your mind. 
By, by, by looking, by reading God's word, listen, you, re, you renew your mind. You know what? We live in a dirty world. And I'm not talking about just dust. I'm talking about dirty world, don't we? Everywhere you go, there's the, the world's ideas and principles. And young people go to school and those principles are shoved down their throat every day. And our minds get dirtied by the principles and concepts of this world. So we need to have a, a daily time in the Word of God to transform your mind. To help it become like Jesus. Yeah, is it, did, did, did you read in Romans 8, 29? To be conformed to the image of his son. Yeah. And a part of that process is restraining the flesh, renewing the mind. And <laughs> this fits so much with the, I'm sitting here listening to these guys and, you know, the discipleship part of that and, and, and listen to what they're having to say. And just thinking, this is exactly what, what I'm talking about here. So, all right, so number one, restrain the flesh. Number two, renew the mind. Number three is this, reflecting your Lord. Matthew 5, verse 14, you remember what it says? You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what my job and your job is? To reflect Jesus Christ in our lives. Yes. Your pastor is talking about that. Becoming a mentor. Take somebody who's a new Christian and disciple them. That's really what we're, that's really what we're talking about. Yes. We're talking about discipleship. And then the last thing is this. The application of life of Biblical change. Identify some areas in your life that need some biblical change. Do you know some tonight? My wife and I this next semester, this is our last semester. Last, a lot of last things in our life here in our last semester at Heartland. It's hard to believe. I've been working since I was 16 years old. And, and, and after graduation, I'm going to be unemployed. It's weird to think about. But we have a class that we teach on addictions counseling. And uh, it's, it's an elective. We have some students that want to take the class. And when they come to class, their very first day, we give them a fasting project. And the fasting project is they get to choose, but for the next six weeks until the midterm, about six weeks into the semester, they have to give up something. And they choose. They, they can choose. I've had, she's had students that have given up chocolate, had one student, he said, I'm not giving up coffee. I said, well, maybe you need to give up coffee. And he banged the desk and said, I am not giving up coffee. And his head started spinning around. And on the back of his head was Starbucks stamped on it, you know. I am not giving up coffee. So the guy gave up bread or something like that. I mean, any old lame brain can give up bread. But they get to choose. And then some of them have given up social media. You know, soda pop, chocolate, all kinds of things. And then they, they have to journal what their, their process throughout the whole six weeks. And they come back in and they tell us, I've never had a harder time doing something. Now, I know compared to a guy that's addicted to cocaine, that's, that's minuscule. I understand that. But what we want them to understand is how hard it is to just flat out give something up cold turkey. 
just like that. So there may be some things in your life that you know right now that's keeping you from becoming like Jesus Christ. So identify some areas that you know are hindering you becoming like Jesus. Don't you want to be like him? That, that, that's God's purpose and that's God's plan in our life to become like Jesus Christ. So identify some areas. Recognize sometimes during your day when you can cooperate with God's plan to change you. Are there times in your day that you could say, all right, when I come home in the evenings, I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of young men struggling with pornography. And, and, and two, two young men particularly that I remember over the years that came to me and they were just, they worked all night long and they were tired and they would just turn on their computer and the next thing you know, they're going to places where they shouldn't go. And I told them, here's what you need to do. Don't go to your computer. Take a shower and go to bed. Don't turn on the computer. So are there some, some times during your day that you are tempted to go to an area that you say, if I do this, there's going to be guilt, there's going to be conviction, there's going to be this heartache. I, I, identify those times during the day when you can cooperate with God to make those changes that are necessary. And then the last thing is this, is this, ask God to burden your heart for the needs of others. You go to work tomorrow and you work with people and, and, and I, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on any of us, you know, because we, we all need to be involved in this, but you go to work with people tomorrow that need exactly what you have. Yeah. You say, what do I have? You have Jesus. Do you know somebody that needs what you have? Do you? Do they need to know what you have? So ask God to burden you for the needs of others that are around you. You know, and again, I mentioned this earlier. Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about discipleship. You know what discipleship is all about? It's helping others make biblical change to becoming Christ-like. Now, I I don't want this to go to these three young men's heads tonight, but I mean, that's a big deal for them, isn't it? it Come up here. You know, where would you be tonight? if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Where would you be? Discipleship. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be his, like his son Jesus. Discipleship. You know, every, every part of our life that we're involved in involves discipleship. Parenting is discipleship, isn't it? <laughs> Raising those heathen kids to serve the Lord. Edification in the local church ministry is discipleship. You have a, you have a Sunday school class. I, I, I love those little patch kids and peewee kids up here. Fifth graders, fourth graders. I used to love to teach fourth graders because fourth graders, they're not yet too cool for Sunday school, you know? I love them. Whatever, you just get up there and do something silly, put a worm in your mouth, they're going, this is great! Can't wait to come back next week! (laughs) They love it. You know, we we, we can have an impact on those little fourth graders. 
I was just thinking about this, and you know, you got a bus ministry and bringing some of those little kids. I don't know, some of them are probably bus kids are up here tonight. And do you know what? The only good thing some of those kids ever get in their whole week is right here. Do you know that? Next time you start complaining about kids writing on the walls, just think about it. Some of those kids that are writing on the walls, some of those little kids standing up here singing, could be standing behind this pulpit one day. Yeah. Preaching the word of God. So that'll never happen. Oh yeah, well you go ahead and have that bad attitude like that. Because God, God can use young people. Yeah, amen. These little old kids. That's not even in my notes. But it fits, doesn't it? Christian education is discipleship. Counseling is intensive discipleship. Discipleship isn't just a 12-week program. It's a lifelong process. And I, I don't need to keep singling these guys out back here, but you know what? They've just started. They've just started. I hope, I hope those three young men someday will stand up and say, I've been saved for 61 years. <laughs> and you know how you get to that process? You get up every day and you open up the book and you read it and you pray. And when church starts, you're here. So can you think of some areas in your life right now that you need to make some changes? Maybe it's the kind of music you listen to. The kind of programs you watch on television. Or maybe it's what you do with your social media accounts. Change is hard, isn't it? But to be spiritually well, change is necessary. One more group of people I want to address, and I'm done, is this. If you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... Maybe your family, you're here to visit your family for the holiday. What a wonderful holiday season you'd have if you'll trust Jesus as your Savior. You know this, Christ died for your sin that you might know him and have eternal life. And you need Christ. If you want to make the changes, you can't just turn over a new leaf. You need to turn over a new life. If you don't like the flavor of your life, change the contents. Change what's in here. Without whom you will, if you spend it, if you die without Jesus Christ, you will not have the peace that passes all understanding. To know that no matter what you will have, no matter what happens to you, if you died today, you know that you can go to heaven. You know him? Does he live in you? Change is hard. But true biblical change is necessary for every one of us that are in this building tonight. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I'm going to pray that I'll let the pastor come and lead the service as he sees fit in the service. But as I pray, if there are some things in your life that as as I've talked through this process today, some changes that God spoke into your heart about. Would you be willing to come, spend some time at the altar, and say, Lord, help me to make those changes? Can you identify some areas of your life that need biblical change? If you can, let's start tonight. Let's start tonight. Father, speak to hearts tonight. And Lord, again, I I don't know who's here. But Father, if there be one here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, May you speak to them and help them to see their need for Christ. And I, and I thank you 
for the change that takes place in our life when we yield ourselves to your spirit. Thank you, God, for that. So change hearts tonight. Bring us to that place in our life where we understand that we can't keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different outcome. We have to make changes that come through biblical change. So bless now. In Jesus' name we pray.